0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 21 of Aussie Talks we are a really exciting episode here for you today. We're going to be talking about the new AFL team in Tasmania, announced today, 100% confirmed, uh, that it will come in in 2028. We're going to be speaking about the horrific umpiring that we saw during the Collingwood-Adelaide game and how this really has to change in the AFL. are going to be talking about the NBA playoffs and a couple of more things in there as well. So without further ado, let's uh, dive into this new announcement of a team in Tasmania in 2028. It's a big day for football. It's a big day for Tasmanians, and I believe it's a big day for all AFL supporters. Now there has been some big changes in the AFL over the last couple of weeks. The finalisation of a new CEO, Andrew Dillon, was confirmed a couple of days ago, and we'll touch on that in a bit. But the biggest news, and it's been 100% confirmed today, even though we knew it was coming uh, for some months, and some can argue for some years. Tasmania have been officially granted a 19th AFL licence to become a team in the AFL by the year 2028, giving them five years or so to get everything in order to figure out a. Name to figure out, or well, how long it's going to take to build this stadium, uh, and all the other things that is required for them to be up for AFL standard uh, when 2028 season comes around. Now, quite interestingly, there's been a lot of discussion about the talent pool in the AFL and whether or not there is enough of a market of talented players to get a 19th AFL team. And I put this up on my Instagram for a poll during the week uh, about your feelings on a team in Tasmania so 34% of respondents said yes it's about time that they have a team and I agree on that it has been way too long there is no way that Graydon Western Sydney and Gold Coast should have got a team before Tasmania that has seen so many quality quality players Matthew Richardson, Daryl Bulldog just a few that name straight off the top of their head and there's so many more uh, they have finally got a team which is good 41% of respondents which is ma- the majority says no the talent pool is not enough while 25% say They're on the fence. And I think the talent pool discussion is really interesting because in the announcement of this license, we've just come off a round where West Coast have lost by 100 points uh, to Carlton, who are a talented side, but I would say – maybe sneak into the top six if they're lucky uh, so there's not like they're losing by 100 points to a Melbourne or a Collingwood or someone like that uh, who's a premiership contender they've lost to a team that is probably a top six team but are either fifth or sixth on that list um, and at the same time North Melbourne a team that has sucked for I think the last time they made finals was 2015 uh, for a team that sucked for that long lost by 100 points to Melbourne or 90 something points to Melbourne and we're talking about how there's so such a lack of talent uh, especially for those two teams at how the hell are we going to be able to market a 19th AFL team and make sure it's an even playing field and it's a fair a fair discussion to be had because if we we look at the AFL at the moment the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams and even the top teams to the mediocre teams is huge and i understand that there's big clubs and big markets and certain players want to play for big clubs Um, But at the end of the day, the talent pool has to be more evenly distributed if you're going to have a better competition and a better product for the AFL in terms of their bottom line. They've got their 19th AFL team licence. If I was in charge of the AFL, I would not have granted them a 19th AFL team licence. I would have moved moved the Gold Coast Suns down to Tasmania. And even you know, if you wanted to make it 2028 with the new stadium, that's fine. But... The fact is the Gold Coast Suns should be moved. That club came into the competition in 2010. They have never played finals and only really threatened finals twice. Uh, last year, you can make an argument that they threatened finals there for a little bit uh, with some big wins against Richmond. Uh, that's the only one that comes to mind at the moment. Uh, but And then I think over a decade ago when Gary Ablett was there, and they, were, they were 11th. Uh, and then Gary Ablett did his shoulder and, and that was season done. But the team has never looked threatening. Uh, their attendance to games is disgraceful. In Melbourne, whenever you have a game there, the only people that show up for Gold Coast Suns is people who want to take the piss. Um, you know... You get the cheer squad, a bunch of teenagers who want to just have a good time at the footy, which is good, but the fact that that's an AFL team is an absolute disgrace. So the fact that Gold Coast is a market for the AFL is just ridiculous because although they've got Foxtel and KOTV TV subscriptions and all this network stuff, uh, the team has not worked, and the fact that GWS came to the competition and played finals, you probably five, six times, made a grand final uh, compared to Gold Coast, which have done absolutely nothing. They should have been the team that has been moved, and I don't think anyone would be crying about it because no one really gives a shit about the Gold Coast Suns. But it is all about the Tasmanian team now. What are they going to name it? who's going to be there who's going to be the coach what's the facility look like does the stadium have a roof these are all questions that are going to have to be answered and how are they going to attract players to go there I think a really interesting thing I saw during the week I think Sicily the Hawthorne captain had to come out and apologize saying no one wants to go to Tasmania and it's probably not the best call considering I think Tasmanian tourism is one of the sponsors uh, of the Hawthorne football club but think about it if you're a an 18-year-old kid who's just been drafted by the Tasmania, whatever they're going to call them, in, in 2028, 2029, and you're from Xavier College, you're from WA, you're from Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, you're from the mainland as such. It's a fair commitment to move to Tasmania. You know, I've got nothing against Tasmania, but it's the same problem they've had even recently, with Rankin wanting to go back to South Australia, with you know Jason Horn Francis wanting to go back to South Australia, that's states that are right next to each other. Yes, there's you can make an argument Victoria and Tassie are next to each other, but there's a vast in between it. So it's a big commitment, and it's going to be difficult to keep players in Tasmania. And I know it's an issue that they don't want to talk about, especially Tasmanians don't want to talk about. But it is a key thing. So that is something they're going to have to consider. Uh, with this 19th AFL team license. But it is an exciting time for Tasmania, and I think it is about time. Uh, But it is interesting, and and I agree that the talent pool is not big enough as it is. And thank you to all who uh, voted on that poll. I think it was really interesting to get your insight down uh, on that that front. But, yeah, an exciting time for Tasmanian football. It's about time. It should have happened a decade ago. Uh, But now that it has happened, there's a lot of issues that have to be covered uh, before 2028 because... If you can't have uh, a team in Tasmania suck for five to six years um, before that happens. And another issue that needs to be considered is that with the 19th team, the fixture is going to have to be completely rechanged around. We have this gather round idea. Now, hopefully it holds up for the next five years. I thought it was a great spectacle that should be held in South Australia uh, until they really screw it up. But the fact is, which team is going to miss out? Which team is going to miss out? Which market is going to miss out on arguably the second biggest round of the year? Which team is going to miss out on the Dreamtime game? Or Dreamtime round, the Indigenous round? Which team is going to miss out on the Anzac Day round? It's going to have to happen. You're going to have to rework the buys. You're going to have to rework the schedule. And it's something no one is talking about. 19 teams. It does not work. With this current fixturing, you have to work it around. Go back and have a look when we had 17 teams in the competition. It's going to have to be reworked. And since now there are so many rounds that are a big draw for the AFL, they're going to have to pick and choose which teams miss out. Are you going to do a big market team that misses out or are you going to continually shit on clubs like North Melbourne or GWS or St Kilda or Geelong? Are you going to have them not in the big games and you're going to continually put Essendon, Collingwood... Those sort of teams, or are you going to go? You know what? Because we have to figure out this schedule in the way we're going to have not have the big market teams in these big market rounds. So it's a question that has to be answered uh, in the future when it comes to the reworking of this round. And this is why I think the Gold Coast Suns should have been moved to Tasmania to avoid that issue with 19 teams because the fact is it's going to be a long time before we get a 20th team because with maybe the exception of the Norwood Football Club in South Australia, there is no more markets for the AFL to currently fill in its current capacity. But that is my thoughts on the Tasmanian footy Ideas uh, or Tasmanian footy license. It's about time. Uh, there's a lot of issues that are going to have to be worked around. If the AFL really wanted to do, they could rework the schedule. You play everyone once. You do a four-week break in the middle of the season for state of origin. It will never happen. But if there's a pipe dream, that's one for me. But that's my thoughts on the Tasmanian footy license. You've got to see it here. Aren't you? Jordan has done the right thing there because the doctor was taking the, the player lines, off the ground. The He's called it for deliberate. You've got to read the play a little bit. In- now, for our next segment, we are sticking with the AFL, and we've had a lot of rule changes in the AFL over the last couple of years. The stand rule, the umpire descent. Who could forget last year for six rounds, you couldn't put your arms out and uh, react like a human uh, to an umpire call, unless you wanted to give away 50, that was. But uh, I reckon we've come up with a, a new beauty this year, the AFL. They just keep finding ways to piss off the supporters. Uh without any sort of remorse or whatever. Let's decide to put four field umpires out on the ground instead of three. Now, sounds great, but when you really break it down, it's terrible. That means that for every round this year, there are nine umpires who weren't getting a game last year, who weren't good enough, who are now getting a game this year. Plain and simple. And the fact is they're not good enough. I have seen two of the worst umpired quarters in the last week and a half. Go back and watch the third quarter of the Melbourne-Richmond game. It was appalling. Both sides. There were obvious throws not being called. Brayshaw kicked it in a holding the ball. He got tackled and hit his boot. They called holding the ball. There was a a 50-meter penalty paid for a rule no one's ever heard of before and happened 20 times that round and they didn't call it. Um, And then the other day, Collingwood, Adelaide. Collingwood, great comeback. Umpires did everything they could to stop Collingwood from winning. Nathan Murphy takes one of the most courageous marks at Backman can in that state of the game. It's not a mark, and it's also not a free kick. I think it was Fogarty, run back, just ran straight through him. So Nathan Murphy then had to come off with the blood rule. There's a contest. So first of all, it's a blood rule. So you should have stopped play until he's off the ground. That's the whole point of the blood rule. So the player is not in any more immediate danger. Player is still walking off the ground. Contest. Dugowie gets it. Just kicks it. Just in hope. Trickles out of bounds. Nearly hits Murphy on the leg. Nearly hits the two trainers that are carrying Murphy off. And the umpire calls it deliberate. That's the worst deliberate call I have ever seen in my life. And there's been plenty of them. You've had a ball bounce sideways. They've called that deliberate. It is, at this point, they're better off making the deliberate rule the last touch out of bounds. Like, if you kick it out of bounds, it's a turnover. Because at least then there's there's some consistency. That was appalling. And the fact is that this year, they've been even worse than last year. And I know we all shit on umpires. We love to do it, especially when our team loses, or especially when it's a close game. Oh, it's the umpires, the umpires. Well, you know what? I can guarantee you this year, the umpires are going to cost teams finals. They're going to cost them getting there, or they're going to cost them in finals. I can guarantee you. It's these four umpire rubbish. The fact is, is that the umpire, who is the closest is usually the most useless. How many free kicks have you seen this year paid from an umpire 35 metres away? How useless is the bloke who's three metres away who can't see it? On the weekend, Brisbane game, I think it was. Who did Brisbane play? Brisbane played somebody. There was a high tackle, the most obvious... They played Freo. It was the most obvious high tackle. Alex Pierce actually stopped and gave the ball to the Brisbane bloke, thinking it would be a free kick because he'd nearly taken his head off and the umpire called play on. Friday night, Port Adelaide, St Kilda. You know, St Kilda played rubbish and, you know, chance to really prove ourselves, but I'll touch on that later. But apparently, the main umpire, there's a clear hold on the ball. The main umpire didn't call it. The umpire, 45 metres away, called it, blew the whistle. No one heard it. Port Adelaide got a goal afterwards. They showed a replay of it. I thought the rule was if a whistle went, then it's a free kick. The... All stops, a stoppage must occur. All these umpires are linked by a radio in their ear and they've got no clue. And look, they keep changing the rules of the AFL. You're making it harder and harder for umpires. But the fact is there should not be four out in the ground. Usually you've got six blind eyes out there. Now you've got eight blind eyes out there. They're useless. I can guarantee you that at some point this year you will see an umpiring call or miss call in finals that will cost a team a prelim. A semi, a granny, or a premiership. I can guarantee you that because this year they have been terrible and it starts by having four umpires out in the field because you have four different interpretations of the exact same rule and we've been having this for years. No one knows what's holding the ball anymore. No one knows what's deliberate. And even if you do get rid of the ball and holding the ball or when you get tackled, it's still holding the ball. And when you kick it and the player's walking off the ground with a blood rule who's been concussed and took a great courageous mark that wasn't paid or a free kick, if you kick that out of bounds, it's deliberate. So... Umpires, you haven't a mayor, Stephen Hawking, or whoever's in charge of the AFL in terms of their umpiring and their rules, get it together because the fact is it's co- causing your product to be shit. Who do you look at around the league as you're studying and say, we're going to have to run through them? Celtics. No one in the West. Nah, I'm fine in the West. Re- All right, moving on to the NBA. Now we are right into the playoff race and, uh, My big call I'm going to make in a minute for who's going to win. But I just want to give it a quick run through at the moment. It's for the first time ever that every single seed is represented, uh, which is which is a bit of a unique one. Uh, As I'm recording this, the Warriors just lost to the Lakers in game one. Poole had a shot to win it. I don't know why Poole was getting the last shot. I know Curry was double-teamed, but he's got to move off the ball there. Still 10 seconds left. You probably don't need to shoot that Jordan Poole, but hopefully bounce back. Uh, I think this segment here is pretty much just a laugh at the Memphis Grizzlies. They talked the most shit of any team in the NBA this season and they could not even beat a 38-year-old LeBron James, who's still killing it, by the way, and an Anthony Davis, who is the most injury-prone player in the NBA. They lost in six games, got their ass kicked. They've been talking about dynasty. They've been talking about winning championships. The fact is, the Memphis Grizzlies, over the last two seasons, lost to the Warriors in the semifinals in six games, I want to say, six, seven games, something like that, and Lost in six to the Lakers. You talk about dynasty and you can't even get to the Western Conference finals. Dylan Brooks, I've seen the memes. He is going to be playing for the Shanghai Sharks next season if he is lucky. He will be a role player on the Shanghai Sharks. He is a bench warmer. Everyone sees he's a great defensive player, he's the dirtiest player in the NBA. And then he sooks off to Cancun because he doesn't want to answer media questions. LeBron kicked his ass. Same thing happened last year when Curry and Clay Thompson kicked his ass. He is shite. I'm sorry. This guy talks all this shit, and he is putrid. You know? For the way he talks, you think he would have won three defensive players of the year and NBA Finals. The fact is, he's done nothing. And it's this is the fact of the Memphis Grizzlies team. Dylan Brooks is going. Jaron Jackson might be going. And you're stuck with Ja Morant, who can't keep his name out of the papers for good, for bad reasons, and a team that thinks they're king shit that have done absolutely nothing. So it's just so funny to see teams like that fail. When you talk so much shit and just fail... It's just great for everybody. So if anyone, there's plenty of things on YouTube. If you want a good laugh, Memphis Grizzlies getting their ass kicked by the Lakers, getting their ass kicked by the Warriors last year, talking dynasty. Shut the hell up, man. So anyway, just wanted to speak about the NBA playoffs on that we got some exciting series in there. Denver versus Phoenix. Uh, we got, obviously, the Warriors versus the Lakers. And they're moving over to the Eastern Conference. The 76ers, the Celtics. Uh, and there's no, there's one more in there. The Heat and the Knicks. But it's going to be very interesting. And my big call, stay tuned. All right, bit of a... Different sort of segment here. Last few episodes of the podcast have been strictly on sport. A bit of a different one today. And uh, this is something that popped up in my news feed during the week. And I'll just play a little clip now. And I just couldn't quite believe it. To um, let council know that we're not happy about drag story time and drag performers talking to kids. In this case, the story time in question is going to be conducted at Oakley Library on May 19 for kids age 1 to 6. Yep. I'm not pulling your leg. That is an actual news story. The Monash City Council during the week are having Drag Queen Story Hour for children aged one to six. So it's good to see that local councils are making sure the ratepayers' money are going towards good things, like, you know, making sure they employ children's crossing supervisors and making sure the bins get collected. Not this woke propaganda rubbish. But, uh, yeah, local councils as usual, unfortunately. But, if you're taking your kid to a drag coin show for ages when they're one to six i I reckon you need a serious uh evaluation of uh your parenthood and that's not trying to be rude i reckon that is a general consensus sort of thing look i've got nothing against drag queens my whole thing is if you do you know as long as you're not hurting other people and you're, you're not forcing things onto other people uh go crazy do what you want you know who am i to tell you what to do but the fact is that there is no way in hell that men who are, dressed up, who are dressing up as ladies should be doing a show for infants, toddlers, and young children. Far out. One-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds. Some of them aren't even potty trained. Most of them aren't potty trained. And yet we're doing drag queen story hour? They're doing books like She's My Dad? This is a local council we're talking about. Not some woke organisation. A local council who is elected by the people. do a job not to put their own woke radical beliefs onto kids and look I'm no psychologist I did year 11 and 12 psych and things I remember is that memories when you form in your childhood they stick with you you know that's why you need good influences around you like mum and dad and nan and nana and grandpa and grandma and you know all those people brothers sisters people around you that are good influences and you can't tell me that drag queens are a good influences on children's one to six. That is indoctrinating your beliefs onto other people. And it is actually disgusting. A question that I want these people to answer is drag queen people, whatever you want to be called. How sick are you to have an audience of one to six-year-olds? What are you trying to gain by having an audience like that? I'm sorry, there's no other, pl- other way to put it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. So... Bit of a different segment for you there. I haven't touched politics in in quite a while or or beliefs, but this isn't even politics. This is just common sense. One to six-year-olds shouldn't be going to drag queen shows and drag queens should not be having an audience of infants and toddlers. It's stuffed up. All right, it is time now for Jordan's Big Call. my big call for this week is that the Denver Nuggets will win the NBA Championship Nikola Jokic who probably deservedly second in the MVP race, Joel Embiid had a better statistical season although you can make the argument that the Nuggets were the best team in the NBA on a record basis so it is a bit stiff Uh, but I'm sure he'll be happy if he can walk away with an NBA Championship, Uh, you've got Yeah, Jokic who's averaging a triple double and like thirty and ten. The guy's ridiculous. Jamal Murray, who is back to career best form, a very deep bench. That is uh, showing the Suns out at the moment and if they get past the Suns look whether they play the Warriors or, or, or the, the Lakers it'll be a great series a great matchup but I just think the Nuggets are too much for everyone in the West and we uh, will probably play I reckon the Celtics in the NBA Finals because James Harden will although he had 45 the other day he will choke at some point there's no way he is going to be in an NBA Finals and even if he does he will choke again because that is James Harden him and Chris Paul exactly the same but Denver Nuggets, NBA Championship, big call. You heard it here first. All right, that is all for episode 21 of Aussie Talks. We covered everything from the AFL to drag queens today. Pretty good episode. But uh, thank you for all who... Uh, responded to my Instagram poll uh, of the Tasmania team whether it was a good idea and those who also put in their ideas for segments I want to be doing more of what you guys want to be talking about or want to hear me talk about and have a discussion about uh, as opposed to me coming up with the topic so feel free if you want me to speak about something put it into that poll that I'll put in uh, before I record an episode but uh, yeah thank you all for listening and uh, take care have a good one